Okay, good morning everyone. That clock is about five minutes behind. We're going to go ahead and get started this morning. Uh, my, my phone says 10 o'clock, so we're just going to start at 10 o'clock, 1045. Um, my name is Isaac Borbin. Thank you for being in class this morning. As you can tell from the slide, the title is Rooted, Wisdom in the Information Age. And if you were in church this morning or if you got an email, new classes start today um, for the semester. And so we're going to kick off the new batch of classes with this one called Rooted. I'm going to give an announcement and then I'm going to pass out an email list if you would want, if you do want uh, to sign up for weekly emails from uh, the Young Adult Ministry, that would be awesome because then you could um, have information of when events are, gatherings, Bible studies, those sorts of things. So I'm going to pass this around if you want to put your name as well as your email address. What? Okay. We are just waiting on Carter Montgomery. He's going to be coming in and uh, help along with the class as well, be a conversation partner. He just led the uh, My Favorite Verses class. And by the way, this is not just young adults. This is for anyone who wants to come and learn about wisdom. And of course, last semester, we had a variety of people in the My Favorite Verses class, which was awesome because we also had different people from different walks of life share their favorite verses. So that was fun. So a little bit about myself. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know. My name is Isaac Forbin. Um, I went to undergrad at Oklahoma Christian where I met my wife, Emily, who is not here. We just had a baby. So she is home with our baby girl, Sunny, and they're catching up on some sleep. So they should be back next week. And after Oklahoma, we moved to Texas. We moved to Austin. My wife taught music education um, at a school there. And then I decided to pursue my master's. So we moved to Abilene, where I went to ACU, did my uh, master's in Old Testament. And then, uh, because I didn't think Emily was suffering enough while me being in school, I decided to pursue my PhD. So we moved here to Nashville. I'm at Vanderbilt doing my uh, doctorate in Old Testament. Emily is doing her law degree at Belmont Law School. And she has one more year left. I have three or four. So. I'm going to be in school for a while still. But again, thank you for joining us. I think this is going to be a really fun class. I really like the topics for this semester. And so we're going to go ahead and jump right in. And this is also going to be conversation. There's going to be a lot of conversation in our class today as well. So the best teaching is always comes from learning. So we're going to talk about wisdom in the information age. So. Information, our world. Today, it's no secret that we are constantly being attacked and fed information. Some good, some bad, some useful, some not so useful, right? Social media, your smartphone, your computer, uh, radio, if you still listen to radio, <laughs> Spotify, all those kinds of things. We're, we're constantly being fed information from all these different kinds of sources. And again, some are bad, some are good. Our brains are constantly downloading new pieces of, inform of information, whether it's from a book, uh, something we're listening to like a podcast, a movie, the news, all those kinds of things are saturated with information and we're constantly being fed information. 
And oftentimes, we don't know what to do with that information, right? How do you synthesize every single fact you learn every day, right? What do you do with those kinds of things? We have a plethora of experts in the world. Everyone uh, is an expert at something or claims to be an expert at something. Uh, there are many Facebook philosophers out there, right? Who get online and, and uh, like to chime into different kinds of conversations and become an expert on something. Um, and then, of course, we have similar experts, gurus. Uh, I just learned about this concept called the master class. Has anyone ever heard of a master class? Okay, David. I saw it on Facebook, and uh, Steve Martin was offering one. I almost did it. But, um, you know, we have those kinds of people who offer classes on how to become an expert in something that they're already an expert in. So, Steve Martin, acting. So, he's doing acting master classes. We have all, this kinds of, all these kinds of information just thrown at us. We're flooded, flooded by that. But here, we're going to talk about wisdom alongside information. But what is wisdom? This is where we're going to talk amongst each other. What is wisdom? What does it mean to be a wise person? What does it mean when we say that person is wise? Uh, that person has lived a wisdom-filled life. What do we mean by that? Someone who uses judgment. Judgment, okay. What else? So I'm hearing judgment, sound judgment, being able to apply knowledge to concrete situations. Okay. <laughs> Anyone else? I'd say knowledge nowadays is so easily attainable. Like I can scroll on Google or um, ChatGPT that has like AI <laughs> stuff. 
like I can ask it to write code for me, do whatever I need to do, help me write an email, whatever. Um, yeah, that's not what's done at all. That that just you know, having something give me knowledge. Yeah. There seems to be a common answer. There's we're we're dividing between wisdom and knowledge. So two of them, two different things is kind of what we're getting here. Wisdom is something where someone can discern truth from knowledge or truth from information. Mm -hmm. There's something in the of how it's applied. Like, I think maybe just to kind of move this a little bit, just the, the application of that knowledge mm -hmm. is a lot more wisdom than just having the information. Mm -hmm. How it's applied. Think of it that uh, knowledge is ever changing, also. Like in science, we're learning new things, you know, certain things could be wrong, whatever. Yeah. You know, wisdom doesn't change. It's like when you're using wisdom to discern the truth from knowledge, um, you know, it can change. So, would it be fair to say that what I'm hearing you say, Austin, is knowledge is. Um, something that's that's uh, malleable, something that could be changed, or we can discover new facts of life, but wisdom is timeless. It's eternal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. What do we think about that? I think that's really wise. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Dia? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Like, that's true. Okay. So it sounds like we're pretty much in agreement on what wisdom looks like. Now, this is nothing new, of course, obviously. If you even go back, even outside of the Bible, right? There's a guy named Socrates, ancient Greece, famous philosopher, was exiled to St. Helena, right? But there's a story in Plato's um, Republic to where Socrates, as he was trying to figure out all sorts of facts of life and knowledge, he went to this oracle at Delphi, and he asked the oracle, um, who's the wisest person of all? And the oracle responded by saying, Socrates is. You're the wisest person of all. Does anyone know why, does anyone know the reason as to why Socrates was considered the wisest of all? He's what? Maybe because he's asking and speaking. He's asking, okay. So you realize this is the ignorance? Yeah, the answer becomes or is that Socrates is wisest of all because he, do, he, he doesn't know, or he actually he recognizes that he doesn't know everything. And that's the first step for him on this journey uh, to achieve wisdom, is he doesn't know everything. And that's the first step. And then what, what do you get in Proverbs? The beginning of is the beginning of wisdom is anyone remember the fear of the Lord? Yeah. 
Yeah, so you get, you, you, this goes all the way back to the Bible and then even outside of the, the Old Testament in particular. So Socrates recognizing his ignorance and then the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and we're going to unpack that as well throughout the semester. Now, the wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Why, are, why do you think these are considered the wisdom books of the Old Testament, or even of the whole Bible. Why are these four books considered the wisdom books? We have Genesis, we have uh, different poetry books, right, of the Old Testament, prophecy, prophetic books. But why are these four books considered wisdom books? I think they, they call people to, you know, when you were asking what wisdom was, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is like an awareness an awareness of of who we are and then when you bring in the the, the element God's elements then it's the awareness of, or the awareness of who God is and like if you have the awareness of who you are and and you strive to have the awareness of who God is then it's like then wisdom just comes it just like distills down right yeah. there and so those books that's what they call people to do throughout the whole thing hey look at the world look at this person look at you know yourself and then remember who God is. It's like there's always that you and then God and then wisdom is, is found. So it's, it's almost like that's what they're always trying to do is to pull people to that awareness. Just like, you know, know thyself. It's like, well, that's one part. But then it's like, <laughs> if you don't know yourself in relation to God, then you are going to be, you'll be a mess. You know, but yeah. those books say, okay, sure, know yourself. But it's always a calling to that awareness about who you are and who God is. Right. Well, aside from Proverbs starting with, you know, all about talking about the value, the necessity of wisdom, um, I look at it as though they're reflections of someone older who's lived a life, mm. reflecting on what they've learned and the way to a better way to be and things to apply to your life. And a good example would be Job. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Even Ecclesiastes, mm -hmm. you know, it talks all these things that this is the way. This is what I've learned about life. Yeah. That you can work all you want; it doesn't matter. It's meaningless to do so. It's almost like someone who is older, who's lived a lot, who has experience, who's gained wisdom through experience, reflecting back to teach others about this is what I think is more important to consider. More than knowledge is the the uh, the wisdom gained through life. Yes, and whenever you look across uh, different wisdom books, not just in the Old Testament, but you look at other wisdom books in the world, oftentimes they're written down by someone who has lived a fruitful life, a long life, and is finally able to put pen to paper as to what they learned from their life. And a lot of it, they've had plenty of time to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and then pass those bits and pieces of knowledge or wisdom down to uh, future generations. And then the pushing back against that, though, like I feel like there's something that Jesus calls us to in terms of like the faith of a child, or even sometimes the wisdom of a child. Like you know, you, you have the books that are like fifth grade wisdom or five year old wisdom or something like that. <laughs> where it's, I mean, yes, it's it's not it's not because of knowledge, but it's because of the way they see the world. And I think that there's something to be gained from that too. And so I, 
one of the things I enjoy about Proverbs is that it feels very um, father suddenly. Like it's 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 an older mentor, you know, like to a younger, but it's because there are moments where it almost seems like it contradicts itself. Because I think there's times in our life where wisdom can, wisdom is not a paint with a paintbrush and applies to all things. There's a time where paint wisdom in this situation may be different than this situation. Sure. Ecclesiastes considered a poetry book. It's well, technically, it's if we divide it, it's technically in the wisdom section. Although the the way it's written is pretty is pretty poetic. There's like proverbs and and Job. I mean, Job, you have a narrative right in chapter one, and then uh, at the end of the book. But in the middle, you have a lot of poetic sections too. I would say these four books that we need in the Bible speak to the four most How do humans suffer? How do you deal with suffering? Mm. Psalms is all about emotion. How do you express emotion, the hard, the good, the bad, the ugly? Proverbs is how do you approach daily living through 3,000 different quick quotes back. Mm -hmm. And Ecclesiastes is how do you find purpose in life? Mm -hmm. So these four books, unlike anything else, capture this is what it means to be a wise human. Spencer, you want to come take a seat? <laughs> what else do we think about these four books? From your, even from your own understanding, or growing up in church, or just hearing them being read to you, or meditating on them yourself. Why are these considered wisdom books? And kind of, you were saying something similar to what Austin said earlier, and that's the the timeless nature of wisdom. It's something that you can always draw from, 
and something that you might go back to later on and look at differently based on your situation because your life, the way you grow, mature, um, can change your perception on how you view different aspects of life, how you view an event, how you view suffering or joy, um, how you view your relationship with God, those sorts of things. It's, it's a well that you can always come back to, right, and draw from. I think with the book of Psalms, too, it teaches a lot because you're actually hearing the voice of your human to God versus God to human is built in the realm. And you see blessings mm -hmm. of the myth. And that's something we don't usually like to bump up against is for myth, for aspect yeah. of the myth. And you see that also in Job in the book, in his narrative, of seeing Job lament through his suffering. Mm -hmm. um, and the world, I, that's why I, I like Job and Psalms a lot. Proverbs is really good, but I love Job and Psalm more or less because of the wisdom and how to get through the struggle that is life. You know, that verse Lynn talks about. Um, that's great wisdom in, in those words. And that's, I appreciate you mentioning the lament aspect because oftentimes, and I'm like this, I want to find a quick and ready solution right away or put a band-aid over it right now, I'll deal with it later. But oftentimes, Job, in the entire book, he's arguing with God. And he's trying to figure out what he had done wrong, right? Or what he did to make this suffering come upon him and his family. And it's a back and forth. It's a dance throughout the, the entire book. And there's never an easy answer or hard and fast rule, right? There's lament. There's suffering there. There's a God is silent actually throughout most of those um, chapters in the middle of Job, and it's not until chapter 38 when God comes out from the storm when he finally talks to Job and he answers him. So there's a there's a patience there as well. And you can, like, well, piggybacking on that, that's the beautiful piece of it, because you get to hear Job's complaints. Because Job's <laughs> whole thing is, I'm innocent. Why is this happening? <laughs> what is going on? What did I do wrong? Right. You know? Uh, so it's pretty interesting to even see that. Uh, and like you said, when God pops out to talk, the most, that's my favorite part of the book, because uh, he starts talking right there, because if you go over to some of the Psalms, one of the Psalms, like Psalm 50, where he talks about, you thought I was just like you, because I was silent, but now I'm telling you I'm not. And I love that when God comes out, it's, it's almost like that scene in the movie where you want to know what's behind the curtains, and the curtains just written. Part and he steps over the scene and he just starts you know, just being God. Just, just like, where were you when I hung the moon? Where were you when I put the stars out there? Where were you doing? You know, <laughs> that's the beautiful part. And the poetic feeling you get from it, it's just like right. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone help? Anyone else have anything else to kind of expand on the four wisdom books or your thoughts on those?
whether we're going through a season of lament and we need some comfort, we need to know somebody else has done this too, so we go to Psalms for that, or yeah. we're um, like, oh, I'm wanting some wisdom, maybe my life's okay right now, but let me like go see what some other people have talked about. Like, I think that's worth noting. Right. Yeah. In all the different like instances of like suffering and frustration and hurt and even like joy and celebration, like it all comes back to keeping faith in God. Because I feel like a lot of those things for a lot of people can push them away from God. But like especially as complaints of Job and in Psalms, like you see people fighting with God, but not in a way to push God away, but to bring God. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of like the wisdom that like goes throughout all of these books is that it uses the human experience that like transcends like time and like the time period that it was then. Like you can still read that now and relate. Um, but it all comes back to you like coming to God with those things and not just pushing away when something Right, and notice all of our answers. I asked the question, why are these four books considered the wisdom books? Most of our answers have, uh, have been suffering, lament, joy, right, um, happiness, arguing, those sorts of things. Because what we get from these four books is wisdom is not attained or achieved in like what Dia was saying during the happy times or the normal day to day, but it's attained or realized through these hard moments in life, suffering, joy, grief. And I think Job is the prime example of that, right? Right after he lost his children, his, all that, cattle, land, his home. And that's when wisdom was sought after, realized. This may, maybe have to back up here, but these are some of the few books of the Bible where it's important but not imperative that we filter through the time that they were written. That'd be an accurate statement. Like, whereas, like in the old, I mean, in the New Testament, like then when Paul writes some of the, like it's, or even when Jesus is is using parables, like those have to be filtered through the time in which they were written. Where a lot of these four books, it can be applicable. Like it, it, you can write the same thing today and it'd be completely true. Would that be a fair? What do we think about that? <laughs> I think what you're, if I'm understanding you correctly, is you're asking, and generally you're asking a question of like interpretation. How do we apply these to, to today, a 21st century? Well, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess that's what I'm saying is that there's not a part of, like when I read, like Jesus spoke in very agrarian society, so therefore it's hard for me to understand sometimes the proverbs, I mean the proverbs, the, um, the parables that he uses, whereas in the proverbs, like when, when the writer says this, like I don't have to go back in time to what it was like for that person who was told that. Like it's, it feels more, I can take that as it is. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, 
timelessness of your yeah, yes, yeah, perfect, yeah, exactly. And I yeah. think that's why these these wisdom often comes in these aphorisms, these little short, pithy statements, right? But I think that's the practicality of them too. That's they stand the test of time because they're easy to memorize, obviously, especially during this time and recall when you when you encounter a hard situation it's easy to recall these sort little snippets if you will of wisdom texts doesn't mean you're going to be able to apply it perfectly of course but it's easier to recall in that sense okay so just setting the stage here as we go through the wisdom books now we're not going to go through every chapter I wish we could we're going to cover large swaths of texts, large chunks, um, and try to get the best out of them as we can from Job, Proverbs, Psalms, and Ecclesiastes. But something I think is very important and sobering for us today is because we live in the information age, because uh, I can access thousands of facts just from the tip of my fingers, that wasn't the case during the biblical, the biblical era, right? Books were expensive. It was expensive to learn to read, to learn to write. You couldn't just go down the store and go down the road and purchase a book on, you know, such and such. But you had to pay someone to come into your actual home and train you. You would have to hire a scribe. And those scribes were pretty expensive because oftentimes scribes worked in the court or they worked in the temples of, of uh, the kings and queens of the ancient world, of the ancient Near East, and the, even in the Greco-Roman era, New Testament, literacy was really low. Literacy was extremely low. Not everyone can read or write, even adults. And there was a scarcity, scarcity of information. There just wasn't that much information available. That's why I think wisdom was a huge thing back then, as it is today, of course. But wisdom was something you could easily memorize, especially if you couldn't read or write, something you can pick up and try to apply to your life. This is Carter Montgomery, by the way. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he will be help teaching the class right now um, on wisdom. We're kind of yeah. just going through, we just went over the four books and talking about what we're going to be going through, and now we're going to be Great. Yeah. setting the stage. Yeah, I was downstairs. So huddle groups are starting tonight. Uh, what it, by the way, what is, what is Huddle Groups? Huddle Groups is like, it's a middle school ministry. Um, it's like middle school small group. So uh, Colton and Dave Rubio had all the leaders down there. So that's what I was doing for the last 15 minutes. But Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Trying to get some wisdom in, in the, uh, the middle schoolers, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're, they're getting it from a lot of uh, sources and, and, and different people as well, just as we are. So, um, yeah. And middle schoolers, actually, you know, their minds are, are very moldable and sh shapeable. <laughs> so it, they, it, I'm excited to be able to, like, feed into them and, and give them an opportunity to continue to learn. So. And by the way, just feel free to chime in whenever. For We're sure. just kind of yeah. going over some introductory stuff. But going back again, um, books were hard to come by. Not everyone can read or write. It was expensive. Uh, only so many people were literate. Compared to, you know, the 21st century where we have libraries everywhere. Nashville has a, a public library just scattered across the city, right? So you can easily access the library. Most people can read or write, right, in, in the 21st century, especially in North America. But we also have too much information. 
We have too many experts. We have a person who is an expert in this that we can go to. We have a person expert in that that we can go to. And oftentimes what comes with that, the, the drawback, is we don't know how to synthesize all this and make sense of it. We don't know how to practice wisdom. That's the drawback of too much information. Contrast to back in the ancient world, a lot of people didn't have that much information. It was hard to come by. So you only stuck with what you knew or what you can you know, lean on from mentors, from your parents or grandparents, those sorts of people. What do you, Carter, what do you think about us living in the information age today? Do we have too much information? Do we, what do we do with information today? What's the drawback? Or positives, even. I just when I, I kept thinking about like the like when I was reading too many experts, like I, I was thinking about like just like Instagram or TikTok, where like like a lot of people have like a, there's a, a different amount of like influencers who some of them are just like they're just you know talking people through their life, but then there's other influencers who you know they are. You know, their specific is like working out, or some is reading, or some is like dieting, or um, there's no end to like the experts that you can find, and there's no, um, I there's like the amount of content that's being produced. It's hard to feel like you can't watch it all, you can't consume it all, and so often like. I don't know about y'all, but I find myself just, like, if I'm not, like, being careful about how I'm spending my time, I just find myself just, like, watching stuff over and over, like, trying to learn from, like, all these different random people, and, um, but, but when I still, like, I kind of took a step back, and I was like, am I, like, how is this forming my individual, like, how am I being formed, um, Am I being formed more to like a person of Jesus, or am I just learning how to make a better sandwich? You know, like what's <laughs> I don't know. Um. Also, what you're getting at is, I, as I, if I understand you correctly, is we're obsessed with knowledge for knowledge's sake. Sure. Like, there's no end. Like, what what do I need to know about you know such and such? Like, what what's the reason for that? What's the underlying motivation for me to grasp something? Like, when you go back to the biblical texts and the world then, people couldn't just come by information like that, but they they sought after certain pieces of information or knowledge for something higher, right? And especially when we look at the Proverbs and Psalms, all of this was in order to become a better person, especially in your relationship with God and others around you. I'm curious, like, what is, what is y'all's experience with some of this stuff that we're talking about? Yeah. Like, what is it what is your experience like with social media or um, just out in your workforce or like what comes to mind as we're talking about this? Well, when he said knowledge for knowledge's sake, I mean, I think about the uh, exercise in diet culture, mm-hmm. like where you can follow as many people as you can to tell you how to do exercises, but if you're not actually doing the exercises, you're not walking in wisdom, you just have the knowledge. Like it's, it's not, there's mm-hmm. that, that gap there's a praxis yeah. to it, like a practice of doing something where, and and then even on top of that, right, how many diets exist out there, right? So like, I don't even know which one to go for, to choose. I saw you raised your hand. Yeah. Yeah. 
it seems to me that what is important to me is what is going to make me better. Mm -hmm. What is going to make a difference in my life. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot on my phone that is just trivia. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't enhance my knowledge. It doesn't really enhance my wisdom. It doesn't make a difference in my life. And I can easily just scroll through. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The I, I think what I'm hearing you're, you say is like there's a there's a difference between like be, me being formed, like me being you know formed into a different person versus like encountering just a lot of distractions that take yes. away from that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think That's a great point. I was gonna say I think distraction, the mental load of our society. We have so many physical. We have you know we have to, most of us. But the way that Satan has his hold on a lot of us is our mental thing. We are distracted. We are filled with those things. We're living in all these thoughts and they feel like truth. And then, I mean, I'm a mom. I'm a nurse practitioner. I do all these things and my mind is already going. But then you add all these other expectations and things and it is so overwhelming. Like, no wonder we're at a skyrocketing. We just came out of a pandemic and we're all anxious and depressed. Whether we want to be or not, <laughs> whether we talk about it or not, um, it's it's such a problem. And like what you said, like having boundaries on not just getting knowledge for knowledge, like, but knowing like this is not going to, this is not true, this is not you know good, noble, this is not going to add to my character. Mm -hmm. And if that means shutting down social media or not watching the news, because I've had to do a lot, <laughs> um, it might look silly and to the world. It might be like, well, you know this knowledge and all these things. I'm like, honestly, unless it's going to make me a better mom, <laughs> yeah. a, a better wife, navigating all the things that we have to do in our daily life, like, I don't need that mm -hmm. strange stuff. Yeah. Because um, it's just a lot. And I'm overwhelmed already. So, yeah. <laughs> quite frankly, so let's give ourselves some grace. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really feel like there's, like, an information overload in this world. You know, we, we get to a point where everyone's knowledge is a mile wide and only a foot deep. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, they say it takes like 10,000 hours to really master something. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to spend so much time on that one thing to master, you become so siloed in this. So you'll either be super knowledgeable on a whole bunch of different stuff, but only a little bit of it, mm -hmm. or you'll be an expert on something, and you won't know anything else except for the stuff that's right around mm -hmm. that one field or something. Mm -hmm. So there's there's also this ethical dimension to knowledge or, or to wisdom. It's not just learning something to learn it, but learn it for a purpose. And even back in this time, people knew how to play different instruments, but there was no such thing as just someone who knew how to play the flute, but knew how to play the flute well. Or there wasn't just someone who's a leader, but someone who leads well. And going back to the sermon this morning about the leader who led those people down the tower on 9-11, he led them well and did it for a purpose. That just brought that to mind right now. So, sorry. so before we wrap up our time here, we're going to 
jump right into what I like to call wedding the appetite. Because right now, we're just going to be wedding our appetites in preparation for when we actually jump into these texts, which will be next Sunday. We're also going to have different people come in too and share their wisdom, their insight um, on these different texts and what that looks like in their lives. So, here are some appetizers for you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. Do not answer fools according to their folly, or you will be a fool yourself. Answer fools according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. When do you answer a fool? When do you not answer a fool? Do you answer a fool? Do you not? Yes. <laughs> that's, what's that, that's what's going on here, right? It's never just black and white. Someone said that earlier. It's, it's colorful. It's messy. It's dirty. And it varies, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it kind of reminds me of the concept, and, and I'm sure someone will talk about this, but like, at the beginning of John, it talks about like, in the beginning was the Word of God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Like, nothing has come into being without, like, first coming through the Word, right? And so, like, there's this common, throughout the history of Christianity, like, looking at, of course, the Word is referring to Jesus, and so, this idea that the being of Jesus and the life of Jesus, he was there in the beginning, and like creation is like like brought into being and, and sustained in him, and, and so the idea that the wisdom of the world runs through Jesus as the center of, of it, and so like it's like, yes, sometimes Jesus' wisdom is to answer someone, and sometimes <laughs> it's not, and it's situational, and that makes us, I mean, that can make as a person who grew up in the Church of Christ, right, where, you know, th- you do this and you don't do this, these verses make me uncomfortable sometimes because it's not, I'm like, I want it, I want it to tell me what to do, and it's not telling me what to do, right? It's, it's up to interpretation. Um, I don't know, that's just kind of part of the tension in wisdom literature for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, you touched, I mean, you, you just said it all, it's, a lot of it is situational. It doesn't mean you're breaking a, a specific command, but they're purposely contrasted like this so you can learn how to apply them in different mm-hmm. situations. Um, yep. That's how wisdom works. And, and I think, and I thank God that he gave us narratives in the Old Testament. Yes. He didn't just give us Deuteronomy and Leviticus where you get all the laws. Well, okay, how do those laws, what do they look like in real life? Well, give us the Abraham story, Abraham and Isaac. Okay, even though that text is difficult, it helps me better understand what it means to live out a life devoted to God in the real world. And all these other narratives, David, Solomon, those are prime examples of how God's law and his love is lived out. And then here's just some other examples. These, uh, these aren't biblical, of course. These are just ones that I found from different texts. Wealth is hard to come by, but poverty is always at hand. This goes back to Babylon <laughs> 2,000 years ago. He who drinks too much beer must drink water. Okay. <laughs> Modern one, early bird gets the worm. That's one I heard growing up a lot. Actions speak louder than words. And then, of course, practice makes perfect. Does anyone else have any... Any modern proverbs that they heard growing up or still abide by today? 
What's that? Yeah, there's another one. <laughs> Too good to be true. <clears throat> what goes around comes around, right? That's something that you hear often. You do you. <laughs> that's a newer one. That is a newer one. And and that's not necessarily saying you know the Christian witness agrees with something like that, but it, these are the these are the things that are floating yeah. around. Even the practice makes perfect has been augmented of perfect practice. You know, like it, it, it's like it's not just practice makes perfect; it's that perfect practice is perfect. Like it's mm. that Christian performance. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. And again, these these proverbs and especially going back to the biblical proverbs, it's going to look different in each situ uh, situation, right? Depending on what you find yourself in. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of, like, that probably classified as the old wives tales, like, you know, or the, the wisdom that came through generations of, that we, that people viewed as sayings that has become proven you know, like when, when sailors, you know, they, how they piloted and how they looked at the morning to know what the day was going to be like, and, you know, just different things. So, that's pretty yeah. much how they're being there. Yeah. Maybe we should just read the psalm and then kind of. Yeah. I, I wanted to share. So, this book, this is a book written by Henry Nowen. It's called The Way of the Heart. Um, and it's a book about like connecting with it. I mean, right here it says connecting with God through prayer, wisdom, and solitude. So it's it's Henry Nowen's like it was written in 1983, and he said, you know, we're in a world of too many distractions, <laughs> right? 1983, right? <laughs> um, and just what what was, was is that a knowing laugh that that we just emitted in the classroom, right? <laughs> If that was distracting, what is? What are we today, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but he, I, I think this paragraph is powerful. He's writing about like how we're just inundated with words all the time. Like, and this is a, a, ch a chapter on silence, and I think it goes to kind of what you were talking about, just like the bustle and the like, the hustle and the bustle of the world. But he says. Um, I, recently, I was driving through Los Angeles, and suddenly I had the strange sensation of driving through a huge dictionary. Wherever I looked, there were words trying to take my eyes from the road. They said, use me, take me, buy me, drink me, smell me, touch me, kiss me, sleep with me. In such a world, who can maintain respect for words, right? But I, what I thought that was what was interesting is... There's a wisdom in, in a bunch of advertisements, and even when you drive your car, even when you open your phone, like everyone is trying to sell you wisdom, right? And so I think the point of, and why we liked this psalm was that, you know, what the psalmist said, is saying is like those like who invest in the Lord's wisdom are like, they're the ones that are planted like trees, right? So like, what does it mean to first live out of God's wisdom versus what the world wants us to do? I, I, I don't know. That's kind of yeah. a lot of the heart of this class, right. I think. So, 
And, and this is just kind of to send us off here, Psalm chapter 1. Mm -hmm. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its seasons, and their leaves do not wither. And all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Does anyone have any last minute comments or anything they want to touch on before we check out here? Anything else to say for yeah, I just think it, it's, I love this verse because it's, it's talking about those, like, the, it talks about wisdom like it's a river that you can plant by and draw from, you know? So, like, the wisdom of God becomes, you know, the energy that motivates me. It's what plants me. It grows my fruit, right? And Jesus talks about, you can tell a tree by its fruit. Um, so... I just love the image of like when we are living into God's way, when we are living by the way of God, we're like a tree planted by like a, like a stream of water. I just think it's beautiful. Um, and the class Rooted, that's kind of, the name of the class is based on this song. So Rooted by like the stream of water. Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so next Sunday and following, we're going to touch on just throughout the book of Psalms, um, Job, we'll do a little bit of Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, of course, and we're going to have different folks come in and also share and, and touch on um, their wisdom and their insight uh, as it pertains to these texts. So if nothing else, let's go ahead and end with prayer, and then um, we'll go from there. Dear Lord, we thank you for giving us a breath of life again today and allowing us to open up your books of wisdom this morning and just get a sense of what that's going to look like this semester and we thank you for giving us concrete examples and men and women in this church that have lived and are continuing to live a wisdom filled life we ask that you help us especially as we navigate the difficulties of life draw on those people who are wise and understanding and wise in you we ask that you be with those who could not be here this morning and just watch over them. We thank you for your son above all else. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for coming, guys.